Hi, this is Stacey Toy, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is Stacy Toy. Now, if you watch or follow a show called Fan Room Live, which I'm a fan of the fan room, uh, then you're already familiar with Stacy. She and her co-host bring in a lot of celebrities for a unique and virtual one-on-one experience, unlike anything that I've seen out there. It's just, it's a really cool experience. So uh, make sure that you go check that out. You guys are going to want to. But first and foremost, welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on here, and I'm so excited that you got a chance to be uh, a part of the last fan room, so you got to experience it and now understand what it's like when Cedric the Entertainer, my you know, the other uh, producer of the show, uh, he's like, be in the room. That's what he always says. And so you were in the room. So thank you very much, Tim. I appreciate that. And I hope you had fun. <laughs> I had a blast. It was a great time. Yay. So, well, yeah. we, have, uh, we have Tommy Chong coming up uh, yeah. at the end of this month. We're going to be interviewing. So if, so essentially Fan Room, for people who don't know what Fan Room is, um, it was something that me and, well, my friends and I all kind of came up with during COVID because we couldn't work in the entertainment industry. So it was uh, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Mitch Faulkner, Jeff Krause, and Jay Benjamin, um, and I, and we started doing this last year and it just kind of gained some traction, but essentially you come on, you get a virtual link or you get a link to join us, um, on the show. And then you get a one-on-one chance to interview and ask questions to your favorite celebrity. So, like I said, with Tommy Chong coming up, um, you know, we can, we can have a lot of different people come in and ask fun questions. I mean, Cheech and Chong, it's huge, but in the past we've had, you know, Joey Belladonna from uh, right. Anthrax. We've had Ice-T and Coco. We've, I mean, we've had Jessica Parker Kennedy from The Flash. Uh, Paul White, who's running the AEW and The Big mm-hmm. Show. He was the former Big Show. I mean, so as far as guests, it is everywhere. Um, and now we're also streaming um, on a bunch of different platforms. And we're in like 180 countries right now with like 360 million viewers. Um, it's huge. So, yeah. And we're growing. It's not it's it's like a year old. And it was yeah. just something we kind of did and threw together because COVID took away the film industry. And so we kind of all just ended up coming together and saying, what can we do? So we just invented it out of a bad situation, which is my favorite kind of projects to do. <laughs> You know, for me, one of the cool thing was because I was in for the Joey Belladonna uh, uh, one that you mentioned. And so, you know, here I am talking to the lead singer of Anthrax about football. That's what he and I talked about. We talked about football because I was wearing uh, a Detroit uh, Tigers hat. And we started talking about that um, because it's my actually I think it's this one right here. Actually, my Red Wings hat. See here, that one. Um, but it's my uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day Irish uh, Red Wings hat and we were talking about that and then you know come to find out he's a Minnesota Vikings fan and we're talking about the NFC North and football and nothing that I ever anticipated sitting down and talking to Joey Belladonna about and I think that to me was what kind of sealed it for being as cool as it was it was you know not your typical you know conversation that you're going to have you have the opportunity to really talk to him you know about 
anything really. And you know, you never get that opportunity, even when you do go behind the scenes or to do a meet and greet when you're in person at a concert, because everyone is always usually just filing through. Oh, I love you. Have a picture, have a autograph. Okay. Thanks. So this is actually like two to like three, four minutes where you actually, like you said, get to talk football with the lead singer of anthrax. Like who gets to do that normally? Because I did. You did. The, the, the only the only experience I've had even close to that was my husband and I went to an Abney Park concert and they're a steampunk group. And we went to the bar with the band afterward. Like That's awesome. Captain Robert's like, hey, we're gonna go to the bar down the street. Who wants to join us? And I sat at a table talking to Captain Robert about chickens and homeschooling. There you go. And and I love talking to celebrities about the most random things mm-hmm. because we really do have the best stories. They I mean really do. the there's no way that you could even put yourself in the position of some of these celebrities because they get, you know, all whisked all over the world and, and here and there and everywhere. And diarrhea happens and growing up happens and, you know, all these little mishaps happen and stuff. So they do have the best stories and mm-hmm. the opportunity to get to ask them. I mean, you could literally go on and say, okay, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you on stage? Because I've asked those questions to these people before. These are questions that, People Magazine doesn't normally ask you. I mean, and, right. People and, Magazine doesn't want to hear about you having diarrhea yes. on stage. Which when we were when we were talking to CJ Ramon from the Ramones, um, we had a caller uh, come. Uh, we'll zoom in uh, from Russia, and they were talking about Tolstoy and like philosophy, and and I'm I'm sitting here going like. Oh my gosh, like the Blitzkrieg Bop is like talking about Tolstoy? Like, <laughs> we knew what they were talking about because CJ Ramon is a very big reader, which I had no idea. And he really is into that kind of stuff. And so, this, you know, it was just so cool to see people. It was like three o'clock in the morning over in Russia, and they're staying up because they're having like this amazing moment with one of their favorite celebrities. So, honestly, my heart feels so good after these shows because they're, it really, people come on and they're just telling people how much they've changed their lives or, you know, something they've done has just encouraged them and their Instagram has inspired them, you know, through the bad nights and, so it, it's, it really is. There's so many amazing moments. Um, Paul White took his shirt off for a kid in England on our show when he was on. And we're currently, they're currently raising money for um, the, because the child it was a form of cancer. So they're raising money uh, and the kid is uh, going to raffle or like raffle off the shirt and people are buying tickets and oh, all that stuff. Cool. So it's like, there's so much more that ends up coming out of the whole fan room experience for so many people um, that is just so cool to watch too. So you can also be a spectator, uh, you know, spectator tickets are like five bucks usually when, when they come out. Um, everything else is, is very, uh, you know, and I don't want to say cheap, but it, it's, it's definitely affordable. It's affordable. Yes. I mean, they're like 35 yeah. or 50 bucks um, and you get to have all this time and, you know, you get a copy of the clip, then a view and then you can take screenshots you could you can people come on and say hey can i take you know a photo of you just on the screen talking to me sure whatever you want um so yeah it's just a cool thing and you just got to kind of experience it <laughs> i have to say that i think one of the coolest things about uh fan room for me you know before i even got to the part where i got to be included in in one of the fan rooms was i watched the episode with with paul white mm-hmm. and i tell you what um to be on on this side of the camera, sitting here watching it, it was hard for me not to get choked up when he instantly he was I, because the thing is is when that little boy asked for for Paul's shirt, mm-hmm. 
he didn't even hesitate. I mean, he took it off right. And he's like, yeah, this one you got, I mean, the one I'm wearing. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And he took it off immediately. So, I mean, for, for you being in there, I mean, how, how is it, how are you able to keep your composure during times like that? Because there, there are some emotionally charged moments with your show because of the connection that people have with these celebrities. Yes. Um, well, to be honest, I worked in news, television news as a live broadcast director for 11 years. So I've, you know, learning how to deal with pressure and, and emotions and all of that kind of stuff is something that I've, you know, learned how to do just because when you're, you know, I was directing when the Sandy Hook shooting happened with the kids. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, so I'm there pressing buttons going, please don't let somebody get shot. Please don't because it's live on the news and I'm just putting up whatever I'm but somebody could have gotten shot on that. So it's like those situations are the ones that I've been used to. And in my career, I've dealt with um, the most. So things like this, I will take that all day. And if I cry, that's even better because I like I I I love to feel like happy emotions and and things like that. And it is a moving thing. Like I'm a mother. So to see that other child over there and to know that you're doing it in England and it's all over the world and you're just, it's so cool, man. Like really the the possibilities are endless and to keep my composure, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, ultimately it's something that I know how to do, but if it's really moving like that Paul White thing with the kid, when he was just like, okay. And I'm like, take it off. Because personally, (laughs) I always like to see him when I go to, you know, the wrestling shows and stuff. Cause I've been a fan and my kids have obviously been a fan and I'm friends with a lot of uh, WWE superstars. And so it was, it was just so cool, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, even for myself. So (laughs) I'm like, help the kid by getting, you know, taking your shirt off so I could see you. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's all in good fun. You yeah. know, nobody's getting hurt and everyone is, you know, banding together and coming to do good things. And so I, I, I want to be a part of that stuff, whether it's oh, yeah. my actions or not. I want to be, I want to witness it. I want to see it because we need to see good things in this world. There's only bad things anymore all over the place. I work like news. <laughs> so you know, so we're going to do some good things. So that's what we're trying to do. Perfect. <laughs> good things are good things are necessary. And, you know, yeah. talking about good things, I want to start the conversation off with the looking through your IMDb. You've got some pretty cool things you've done, including you worked with Kevin Smith. Like, oh, yeah, we're, I'm currently working with him on some stuff, too. So, I mean, Ernie O'Donnell is my business partner, who is mm-hmm. Rick Darris for anybody in, like, the clerk's mm-hmm. world. Yeah. He's been best friends with Kevin since like fifth grade um, and been in every one of his shows. So he is my business partner. Um, I love Ernie to death. And, and so we, you know, do occasionally do some stuff with Kevin. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I, I love working with those guys. Marilyn Gigliotti, um, Veronica from the first mm-hmm. clerk is my roommate out in LA actually. So oh, she's cool. out there. I live with her out there. I work with Ernie out here. He's in Jersey. I'm in Pennsylvania. Um, and like, I'm friends with everybody else. Um, Brian O'Halloran, Dante from all that, he just moved not too far from me. So like maybe 20 minutes or so. So like I get to see him and hang out with him every once in a while. I go to the comic book store a lot. I'm really good friends with a lot of the comic book men. I mean, I'm friends with like their wives and their kids. So it's like more a whole family dynamic, but it's so cool to go in and be around these people and be like, you guys are the ones who taught me how to curse when I was 11 years old. (laughs) You're the people my parents warned me about, but you're also the people who made me enough the money so that I could pay my parents, you know, taxes and stuff every year. So isn't that funny, mom? Isn't that funny? And I go, 
the people you told me to stay away from, like don't do drugs and, 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 you know, stay away from these people. Well, I'm working with most of these people in the entertainment world. And I also work in the CBD and THC industry. Um, and so there's going to be some celebrity collaborations with that aspect. Of there's things. a little bit of druggage there. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff, man. I'm a melder, you know, so I'm like, Oh, look, let's take this, this and come up with something and put it together. And, it, it works out. It's really weird. Some because uh, I'm always like, okay, I know this is a crazy idea, and it's weird because people come back to me now and they're like, "That's not crazy. That's brilliant." And so I'm like, "Oh, Jesus has got to be coming back soon because I'm making sense." I'm <laughs> person in the room. Like, something's gonna go on. <laughs> oh, I when I saw that you worked with Kevin Smith, and I'm like, I love his movies. Like, yes. My mom is watching this with me. Oh my gosh. It's my brother's fault. We'll just lay it out there. It's their fault. They introduced me to it. It's not a bad thing though, man. Like all this stuff's so fun. I'm excited for Clerks 3 too. Um, I was on set uh, in Jersey with them when they were filming it uh, last month. Um, So right before the show that you actually saw, uh, I had gone to Jersey to do the filming. And then I had to go up to Canada for some work stuff. And then after that is when I did the show, but I was on set um, and I was with everybody and it was just so cool. But it's even cooler, I guess, because I'm younger than, I mean, I'm 38 years old. So when clerks came out, I was 11, it was 94. And now to like have that be like one of my first big, like movies that kind of really got my attention and like had me focusing on other things because I mean, I grew up poor. We didn't have, we had like two channels on the TV and that's if you had like the, the bunny ears in the right direction. Right way. So clerks, my friends and I all went into my one friend's basement and we watched it, you know, on VHS tape and stuff. So, and just throughout the whole years and, and how like his movies have really helped me out. I mean, they used to make me laugh when I was depressed and, you know, in college. And I mean, you just go back to them and they're just like classics that kind of just take your mind off of things for at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have Clerks 1 be like the very first movie that was like huge for me. And then to be on the set of Clerks 3 and these people are my business partners and my roommates. Like I literally stood back um, on a couple occasions just to take like five seconds and just take it all in and go, wow. Like, I'm just so grateful, you know, like yeah. to have those full circle moments you, and people like you have to remember to stop and take it in because people forget why they got into the business in the first place and they get frustrated with things over time and whatever. And it's like, this is your passion and this is what you love to do. Sit back when things are good and just take five seconds and just go, wow, like I got to appreciate this moment. And you're never going to get it again, you know? So it's like, right. it, it's there, it is there. Yeah. So I definitely took those moments in. They were, you know, it wasn't like it was a huge, big, long week of, of filming. We were there with them for two days. Um, I was only there for two days uh, on set and stuff with them. But at the end of the day, they be, they become my very good friends. They're people I trust. They're actually really good, genuine, good, kind-hearted people. So I, I can't. And I'm going to take this back to my brothers with the. So you introduced me to these movies, and now I get to talk to their. <laughs> yes. Like, you know how much cooler I am than they are. <laughs> and if you guys ever make it up to Jersey, like I'll meet you up at the Secret Stash and introduce you to, to everybody because the Secret Stash, the new one, just opens this year. I have found a reason to go to Jersey. There you go. I'll introduce you to all of them and probably get you a free T-shirt or something too. Hey. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. John, we're going to Jersey. That's right. our editor and my yeah. husband. <laughs> so Yay. I like how you called him the editor first, you know, then, oh yeah, by the way, he's my husband. Yeah. That's what you do. It's a professional. It's a yes. Professional yes. Very, very professional. Obviously, Tim, I am the Obviously, professional. Obviously, we're, we're very professional here. <laughs> that is such a lie, but yeah, we, we're professional. Aren't we all? I'm <laughs> trying. I am saying I'm a, I'm a professional when on top of my computer is a unicorn, a light bright, and a snow globe. Hey man, but I'm a professional. That's right. That's okay. <laughs> but I think I think that was really good advice you just gave there about taking the time to you know take a step back because I think in anything that you do, uh, even with this with what we do, there's you know in both on this show and our other show, Funny Science Fiction, there's been opportunities for us to be able to talk with people who kind of helped shape our childhoods and you know and, and all these things and and have you know. Um, and like we got a chance to, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes too. I mean, you got an opportunity to work with him as well, Burt Ward. Um, you know, and, and and for me, that was really super, super, just crazy cool because you know, growing up watching the Batman TV show, and I was a big fan of that, and all these different things. And so for me, it was really cool to be able to sit there and talk to this guy who who was you know a big part of my childhood and all these different things. But you know, and I, and I kind of found myself during that that interview going. Remember this moment. This is cool. This is why you got into this. This is why you're doing what you do, because you have the opportunity to have these type of conversations. It's true. Um, It's funny you say that, too. I don't know if you know that I was on, me and my son were on an episode of Comic Book Men, and it was the Burt Ward episode. Yeah. Okay, so because we did the, um, you can Google it. It's on, I know it's on YouTube. They have clips of it, but Burt Ward did, because he has a pet line, a pet food line. Yeah, Gentle Giants. He was promoting that on the show when this was happening. This was probably about two years ago. And then they had us come in to be the audience. And and they only asked, like, the immediate, like, family to come in. Because it wasn't that big. It was probably, like, four rows of five chairs just for the audience. And so when they called me and said, hey, how about you and your son come? We want you guys in the family section. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, even that. Like, just sitting there. I didn't say anything on TV. But you saw my face. Mm -hmm. on my son and even my son's like oh my gosh like he's so excited now like he's in he's getting into the business he's done a few um commercials and stuff since then oh, and cool. out on a few sets with me but he also just put together he's 14 um he he just put together his friend and another client of mine who's a youtuber out in um los angeles and he put them together. They collaborated, did a, a, a song, and then I helped them put together a music video. And my son actually was there to do filming. He was like handling, you know, all of his friends, like the people that um, oh, wow. the artists. And so last Friday, the video just dropped. Um, it's Pyro featuring 40 Flow, the yep. number 40 Flow. Um, and it's called That Action. And my son's in it. He's the other like person in the video. There's three people. Oh, really? Okay. So they asked him to be in the video, but at 14 to see him like pushing, wanting to do this stuff is because he said that he's been watching me. And and so, but then he's like, I want to understand why you do what you do. So when he started putting things together and things were frustrating, he was like coming to me, mom, I don't know what to do. I'm like, okay, well, you got to get on this person. You got to tell him this. And if it doesn't work out, then like they don't get this opportunity again. He was listening to me, did very well. And then to have the video come out last week, he's like, oh, I get it now. I get it. You know, and it's like all That's this hard awesome. work and like, you gotta, you gotta do it. But then once it comes together, it is the best natural high that you will ever experience, which I'm sure you both, you know, have experienced before. Oh, sure. I mean, with this podcast and mm-hmm. all the stuff you do, it's like you work so hard and everybody's like, 
and trying to knock it down or this isn't working or that's not lining up. And then when it comes together, you're just like, <gasps> why and is nobody we, standing up and slow clapping for me? Right. When we launched our first episode of this podcast, our first interview for Pop Culture Addicts was with Carol Baskin. <gasps> Whoa. I, mean, I know. Dang, lady. I mean, yes, <laughs> it was amazing and it was so funny is like when tim's like hey so i booked an interview with carol baskin and i'm like what that's crazy and that's awesome how was she Tanner? a lot of fun actually she um you know the thing is i think a lot of people just watched tiger king and based their opinion of her off that off that one single documentary which was you know basically about meth heads and tigers um you know and in covid what else do we have to do exactly we were bored um you know and honestly i found her to be very engaging very very uh friendly very funny um Mm -hmm. she's extremely intelligent about tigers and what's going on with them and all those things which made for a really nice conversation that's great i wanted to go down to her place in tampa uh i know that they still have that wildlife place because I go back and forth to Florida quite a bit. Um, I have a place in Daytona too. Uh, so I was down there the last two weeks. I just got back on Sunday. Uh, but I was like, I was looking at that and I was like, I need to go down there. I need to go check it out. Like it's in Tampa, I believe. So yeah, yeah <laughs> that's so cool. Tomorrow, but, so, so I want to ask you a question, Stacey, because I I see the word, and we all do this, uh, we see the words producer, associate, or executive producer. Um, Every time we watch the credits of something, there's always, whether it's a movie, a TV show, whatever, there's always a producer. But I venture a guess that the majority of us who are watching or listening, including myself, don't really understand what the role of a producer is when it comes to filmmaking or, or, or anything like that. So or what the differences are between the types of producers. So I was hoping that since we have a real live producer here with a us, real live one. <laughs> a real live one, that's right. That I was hoping you could help us understand this better. What is, what is a producer? What, what exactly does a producer do for a movie or a TV show? Okay. So originally after I got of, out of live TV news, um, I only knew live TV news producers. And so that's what I thought a producer was. And then when I got into film and television, um, people started telling me you're a producer. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, I don't do, I saved their, their butts. Like when we were in news and stuff, that's not me. (laughs) And my friends in film started to explain what a producer is. So I can give you a basic gist, but essentially a producer does anything to produce so you can be a producer like a lot of people will get like maybe a co-producer or associate producer credit if they've like connected somebody to maybe um either a distribution company a uh the main celebrity who's going to be on the show you know anything that has an aspect but it's not on a giant scale but it's enough that like if it wasn't for them then like maybe we wouldn't have the star of the show because they're right. friends. So we're just giving them the credit so that they can also, you know, get paid uh, for their help. Um, otherwise the regular producer for me, it's essentially you put everything in your crew together. Um, and then you, people tell me what they need and I go out and I get it. You know, um, I assemble things in line, I, I uh, get distribution, you know, you do the marketing, the publicity, you're literally hiring 
and dealing with cast and and crew and schedules and money and executive producers are the ones who really are the either inventor of the project, the show or the film, or the person who's um, investing and funding the whole thing. Um, so oh, okay. executive producers are usually the people who started the, the show or, you know, film and then the people who fund it. Co-executive producers, pretty much the same thing because they could be funding it at a, at a smaller level. Um, they can, it's So it's essentially all of these titles are basically uh, whatever you negotiate, but they're all a type of producer. So whatever you produce, that is where your title is going to come into play. But there's no like set definition for, you know, like a taxi driver. You know, they drive a taxi. <laughs> a producer, they're driving the whole project cast crew everything okay. differently but that's why you also have you know multiple producers so that people like me don't have to do everything right. i already know what my strengths are and my and so if i can work with somebody else on the team where they're my weak i don't want to say weaknesses because they're not weaknesses we can always figure it out but if they have a stronger connection with people say for distribution or for this or for that then i love collaborating with people that are cool as long as you're cool like my, my number one role is don't be an a-hole and you think it's simple you think <laughs> but it seems to be a harder and harder thing to do uh as as the years go by you're right. You're right. So I'm sorry I can't give you like a definition, but no, I think that's a pretty good answer though. That helps me understand it because, you know, in my mind, um, you know, when I think of a producer, I, I, I was kind of thinking something along the same lines, but I wasn't exactly sure. You know, it just it seemed to me like it was somebody in the background going, "Hey, go do this. Go do that. Go do this." Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but you know, the the hey go go do that probably didn't look well or look good on the movie credits. <laughs> No, but, you know, and that's the thing, like Hundred Acres of Hell, which is the uh, horror film that I helped do with WWE superstar Gene Snitsky and Ernie O'Donnell from Clark's. Um, and it's currently out and streaming on like Amazon and Voodoo and <laughs> other platforms. Um, but even like with that one, uh, gosh, there's there's so many things that, that just come into play, but there's, uh, you know, like. The one uh, investor came in just with like the last little bit of money. So he became, you know, executive producer. And then we also had all the credits from crowdfunding and all that stuff in there. I mean, there's just there's so much. But ultimately, that movie was the one that launched my whole career because I ended up being the production manager, which is running the whole production. So that was like my first gig was running the whole production a week on my first uh, it was my first week on a film set since leaving TV news and people just assume that I know what I'm doing because I like to ask questions. I have a natural curiosity and I always figure you should learn how things work. I'm not saying get into like, you know, micromanaging details, but I was like, well, I'm on I want to see how it works. And, and my questions ended up leading to finding out people were not using money properly and, and doing like the right paperwork for the union stuff. And so Ultimately, I got the job because I just my questions uh, figured out that other people weren't doing theirs. And then they said, oh, well, if you could figure this out in a week, then we want you to do the job. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't know how to do this. You'll figure it out. So I I literally ordered filmmaking for dummies. 
Uh, this was like eight years ago when I was doing 100 Acres of Hell. But I ordered filmmaking for dummies. There is no producer for dummies. I'm literally taking notes uh, as I've been going through the years because I, I want to come out with one. And I will uh, reach out t- t- to uh, the For Dummies franchise <laughs> and see if I could write one. Um, but I think that's on purpose because the more I do figure it out, uh, the more I realize that producers, excuse me, do so much stuff. I, I, I mean... You're producing me right now. <laughs> Hope we're getting paid for it. <laughs> well, Tim, you're a producer. Yay. Okay. I kept what when you're when you were saying I'm gonna reach out, I was like, please say to the dummies. I'm gonna reach out to the dummies. Yes, I'm reaching out to the dummies. <laughs> That's how I've learned literally everything. Like I was trying to see because I had a, a bunch of those around here. Um, but in my office I have just literally everything from like hydroponics to Spanish for dummies to like English grammar, for, I've, I I just collect for dummies books because I like to learn stuff, but I have ADHD, so I like to learn it fast, quick, easy, and, you know, okay. This Fair is- enough. Yeah. <laughs> so COVID, COVID was fun, too, because I, I, I mean, I, I got, um, what is it called? Like, uh, I became a reverend so I can marry people, like, online. I was just, like... <laughs> I mean, literally, I was I was taking classes at Harvard online for for law and everything because I'm I'm I always like to take classes and stuff. So I was literally doing so much stuff during. Is there anything you don't do? That's what I'm curious about now. Yes, I, I don't parallel park. I can't do. That. <laughs> <laughs> parallel parking is horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean there there's a lot of stuff I I really can't do, but I I realize like parallel parking. I know I can't do it. I'm from the country. I grew up in the country. Now I bought a car that parallel parks for me. So he's <laughs> working. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So Stacy, being in the, the career that you're in and the position that you're in, in that career, do you realize, do you feel that it's hard to be taken seriously because you're a woman? I know that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, we actually <laughs> had talked to Trish and Rebecca from 180 sisterhood. Um, they're a production company in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And they said the same thing that there have been times that they've said, no, this is not how we're going to do it. And it's the, Oh, but you're just a dumb girl. It's like, no, yeah. this is our company. No, I, this is I, our definitely, show. I definitely have gotten that before. Um, the thing that I guess, and I, and I hate saying this stuff cause I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I'm really not. But once people realize, like I went to school at Oxford university in England and Harvard. So like I went to the best schools in the world. I have master's degrees. I've been honored at parliament once they kind of like figure that stuff out or, you know, I might just nonchalantly say it if they're being kind of a jerk about stuff. They're like, yeah, you're right. You know, I only went to Oxford and Harvard, so I only have a master's degree. Where did you go to school? Like if they're being a jerk. But honestly, that's the only time I've ever used my degrees. It's never gotten me uh, a better paycheck. It's never gotten me, you know, a promotion. It's never done anything. The only time I've ever used my degrees is just to tell people, I think I know what I'm talking about. So shut up, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, a very polite bite me. Yeah. You've never put me in that position. It's only, you know, maybe two or three times my whole life. But at the end of the day, that kind of stuff, once people realize that you can't really say that you're stupid, <laughs> especially because people call me in to save their ass. I'm like the queen of the loophole. So <laughs> I know how things work. I learn how to make it work for me. And then people hire me for it. So go ahead, call me stupid because I'm saving your ass and taking some of your money too for, for doing it. Um, but as far as 
that I've had people, one of the first other big, big, um, it was a $15 million film. Uh, it was going to be done through Universal. And I actually ended up pulling the money for it because people weren't doing the right thing. But as I was going through the entire process, working with the other two producers who were out on the West Coast, they would say things like, you don't know what you're talking about because you're in Pennsylvania. You're, you've never worked out here for all the major studios. So you don't know. Well, I ended up pulling the money and those other producers lost their jobs. So it's like, uh, you know, for their other stuff because they didn't know what they were talking about. Right. That had nothing to do with me. But it was just like, at the end of the day, all these people who like to tell you, oh, I know what I, and I'm better than you. And I'm this, shut up. You know, that's not how people treat each other. That's not how it works. I don't care. Nobody cares about my degrees or where I went to school or that I did this or that. But it definitely helps to get people to take you seriously. Um, I mean, people definitely try to take advantage of, you know, wanting to take me out or trying to like hit on me or try to get me in situations. And it's like, dude, I tell him I killed my first husband. I've been a widow now for 10 years, a widowed single mom of two boys. They're 16 and 14. I have two teenage boys. One is driving. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't need to deal with all this other <laughs> nonsense stuff. So, uh, but once you do establish yourself and, and people respect you, your character stays with you. And that's one thing I always try to tell people in the movies. When I leave that theater, my character has to come with me. It doesn't stay in the theater, unlike other people's. Right. So that, once you start building up your character and, and your reputation and, and it's a good one and you do the best work you can, that starts to actually kick in and, and people start to trust me. And then more people actually call me now because other people have said, Hey, she's helped me here. Oh, she's helped me here. So, you know, I, I, it ends up working out better in the long run and I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get hung up on it, but the me too movement, I think was a, a huge thing that, uh, you know, helped to open a lot of doors for women. So it's like, take advantage of the situation, but don't cry about it. Like if you're going to step it up, like as a woman, me too, I have to step it up and, and I'm going to be the businesswoman. I'm going to have to deal with the stress and I can't, you know, complain about it and, and cry and, and whine like all this other stuff, like do something about it and give yourself the opportunity, but you know, make sure you take advantage of it too. Yeah. So sure. <laughs> that's something that I, I appreciate hearing you say it with the, no, just go and do it. I have a three-year-old daughter. Like she is 100% into the, I'm going to do it myself. And it's like, I want you to have that attitude. I want you to know that you can go out there and throat punch somebody when they deserve it. Like I want her to grow up to be that person. Well, and have to be an attorney then, because if she's throat punching people, she's definitely going to need it. These days. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, but I understand. That's so cute though. It's good to hear the, the, I don't want to say girl power because that sounds wrong, but the, no, you can just, you can do it. You can step up and do it. Like yeah. I like that. How many times have we all failed? Like way more than we've succeeded. Just, you know? just like, today. Yeah, just today. I know. Right, yeah, just today when I had to rip the entire car seat apart because she dumped chocolate milkshake in it. Don't you love that? That happened to my son once too. And it went into the little vents into the because I had a the back seat I had a I had a leather seats at the time. And they went all into those little tiny pinholes because they had like heated seats in the mm -hmm. back. And so Seat in the back wouldn't heat up, <laughs> so I had to give it. See, and I, that's the thing is the seat that hers is in is a heated seat. But I had mm -hmm. luckily I had one of those um plastic or rubber like seat protectors. Smart. 
So Smart it mom. didn't get to the leather, but then there is melted chocolate milkshake that I have to try to figure out how to get the plastic container thing out of my car without spilling it. And then I ended up dumping it all over the front of myself, but it didn't <laughs> go in my car. That's okay. You're a good mom. You're, you're the fact that you're doing it. You're a good mom. <laughs> I'm not going to let my car smell like sour milk. Yeah, Change so. your clothes, quick shower. None of right? the wiser. Good. You're, you're good to go. Yes. You didn't lose your dignity. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I just put on my shirt farm pants and I grab it a day. There you go. I love it. <laughs> All right, Stacy. silly question time. Mm-hmm. All right. There, uh, you can answer as silly or as serious as you'd like to. That's up to you. All right. Okay. All right. So I want you to tell me something that you believe is true that at, that almost no one agrees with you on. <laughs> oh, geez. You're something, welcome. <laughs> something that's true that nobody agrees with me. There's so many, though. <laughs> it's like because <laughs> nobody, nobody agrees with me. And then like a year later, they'll come back and go, hey, you were right. <laughs> uh, okay. So right now, one of the big things. And I guess I'll answer it a little bit seriously because maybe I want a little business after this. If anybody's sure. listening, um, a lot there are quite a few of my friends that are that have the ability because they're musicians or artists or whatever to do NFTs in the crypto world. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with non fungible tokens. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very big, not me personally in the crypto world, but I you know, not my name or my likeness, but my, I, I am very active in crypto world. I go to like the crypto conventions, the Bitcoin conventions and my, you know, all over the place. Um, but I forget where I was going with that at that. <laughs> I was just talking. I lost my, my train of thought. Uh, what? I, okay. So the NFT thing. Uh, okay. So celebrities aren't really trusting me, but, um, because they don't know what things are and I'm trying to explain what stuff is, but as if anybody who knows like the crypto world or NFT is like, it's really kind of difficult to understand and wrap your head around to begin with, but it's something I've been studying and dealing with for like the last two and a half years, two years or so. So Mm -hmm. I'm doing some, and I'm going to some of my, my famous friends that have, you know, done stuff for decades that is just iconic and i'm like come on let's do an nft like you have the rights to it i know how to do it you can make the money on it and uh a lot of them are just too scared because they don't know what to do and they're not hearing so that's one thing that i think is stupid but i'm saying it out loud because in the event that somebody that's listening to this wants to do an nft uh you can always call me because we just started a corporation for for doing those things too on the side (laughs) so that's one thing sorry it was a little no it's good that's good. Yeah, I just uh, okay. So I I'm one of those people who you know when when like all these different coins and things came out, I was like mm, yeah whatever. Um, but I started following a, another podcast, a, a buddy of mine who who talks a lot about you know uh, the different you know these different NFTs and coins and things in the background and whatever else. And I won like six hundred dollars or or six hundred points or coins i'm not really sure how this all works out and what the transactional value is like it could be worth six cents for all i know um but i had to create this account with you know this thing and pretty sure i forgot the password at this point now but anyway um but anyway it's sitting out there for me and it's one of those things i need to start learning more about so Mm -hmm. i'm actually kind of kind of interested to hear that you that you know something about that we might be talking later once I try to figure out what the hell I'm, I've got here. Yes, well, I, we're gonna be 
We're going to be coming out with some, some NFTs for major, major, like A-list major power players um, in the next couple of months. And we're working on those now. I can't wait to be able to tell you. I want to come back on your show so I can because it totally yeah. fit into the pop culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As soon as your non-disclosure agreements expire. <laughs> no, and they're my own, dang it. That's the part that's... <laughs> I can't talk because it's my own contract. <laughs> so it's like, I really can't talk. I did it to myself. It's not like somebody else can sue me. No, I have to be responsible. <laughs> Why are you here? Well, I'm here to sue myself. So, uh... <laughs> I, I took all those law classes at Hartford during COVID, right? Hey, <laughs> so you can sue yourself while being your own attorney. Exactly. There you go. Either way, you win. <laughs> High five me. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness so stacy we talked about your imdb list a little bit and i i mean we've talked about working with kevin smith we talked about working with burt board i about split when i saw that you worked with bam margera oh yeah we did uh jackass stuff when i was in college when they were like big because we were all friends with uh like my one friend uh actually he uh, opened up the skate shop in Philadelphia with some of these guys. And so I just ended up getting to know them uh, through the years. In fact, the Jackass guys used to come up here to Northeast PA to a place that was probably about five miles from my house here in the middle of nowhere. And it was like a random skate park mm-hmm. in the 90s. And we, like, my friends all have videos of stuff of like Steve O up there, Johnny Knoxville up there. Like, they all used to come up here. And so we all kind of, met before and then once you know viva la bam and jackass and all those big movies came out i actually did get pushed off of a roof in a garbage can from them at one point in time it was not filmed it wasn't gonna be it was just one of those like hey we're here and i'm like you know like back then in college when you always you know doing drugs and partying and stuff like that i'm like throw me off of the (laughs) it's sad that it didn't go to oxford and harvard right Throw me off a roof in a garbage can. <laughs> See, and I think that that was what threw me when I read it, was I looked at your your bio and the Oxford and Harvard and Bam Margera. What? <laughs> Dude, I was, I like, that's the thing is I'm not the typical person at all. Like, I, I used to be addicted to drugs, like opioids. Uh, you know, I was taking like 70 to 100 a day back when I was at Oxford because my tolerance is so high. I mean, it was over five years. So, like, I it's not like I took it. Right. I die. But, you know, as your tolerance builds up over time, they used to give me energy. But this is I've been clean now. Um, Actually, the end of this month, October 27th, will be 18 years since all my hard drugs. So awesome. I'm excited. And and should be. I'm I'm really, you know, they're writing a movie now based off of my life, um, because ultimately at the end, I went through my stuff, and then 10 years ago, I lost my husband uh, to an accidental overdose after he got home from the Navy from dealing with PTSD, and so I ended up uh, forgiving and helping the guy who shot him up. He died of a heroin overdose, but he didn't know how to do those drugs uh, because he never was into that, so the guy that did shoot him up and essentially killed him... um, I met with him and was like, okay, I knew he was shooting like 50 plus bags a day and had lost his two sons and his wife because of his actions. So I said, listen, I will help you to get sober and get your family back, you know, if, and I'll forgive you if you can become the husband to your wife and the father to your two sons that mine can no longer be. And right now 
He's he's clean now for 10 years, the last 10 years. He has his awesome. family back. He has a, a job and a business. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, um, him and I are now the only one. We were the two that were really the worst out of this whole situation. And because I did help him after the loss of my husband, him and I are, him and I are now the only ones left alive out of the whole story. Everyone else has died from addiction. Um, so it's like, it's, it's just unbelievable to see what has happened over the years, but it's even cooler to know that, you know, there's people writing a film based off of all of that stuff, just because I don't want to be like this star and, Oh, look at me. I did this, but I, I do remember being up and going through withdrawal and, and not having anybody to talk to at three in the morning and like contemplating suicide because it's like so bad. So I also, I wanted to make a movie like this where it could be inspiring because it's still going to be R-rated. It's going to be sex, drugs, rock and roll, because that's what my life was at that point in time. Right. But also, you know, how I uh, got back into, you know, with my faith and my life and just getting back into every day and then trying to make something good come from something bad when my husband died. Like, and, you know, just that whole learning process, like you can help yourself, but you have to want to help yourself because if you don't, then, you know, they don't always survive or whatever but instead of taking this guy to prison and and ruining his life because ultimately he'd been there before so this was like a second home to him i'm like i have to try something different so i'm like i'm gonna try and help him i mean he killed my husband he helped kill my husband but you know he could have told me to to go f myself and i'd have been okay with that because at least i knew i tried but um i'm really glad that it worked out the way that it did work out and you know, it, it's a powerful story and I'm, I'm super stoked about that, but you know, that was, that was back in the day. And what yeah. an amazing, an amazing thing for your boys to have, to look up to, for your sons to look up to you with the, no, if she can forgive the guy who killed dad and help him, how much more yeah, they do in their with, lives. They're friends with his kids and stuff now too. And like, we all help each other out, but it's been, it, it's, it's a dynamic that, you know, had to take, it's taken a decade to get to this right. point. Sure. Sure. I am really, I'm really happy about about the outcome and and seeing how it is and I'm I am thrilled and I hope that my boys do I know that they watch my every moves and me and the, me and my kids are very close now that they're teenagers um we talk about a lot more um mm-hmm. you know like I like to treat them like an adult and you yep. know I don't like to hide stuff like they know exactly what happened with their dad and you know we've worked through that because I just don't like to, I don't want to have any more trauma or any other yeah things like I am a through it, not around it person. So if you got a problem, exactly. go through it and deal with it. And however we need to deal with it, we will. I don't care if it's counseling, doctors, where whatever we need to do, let's right. do it. But I'm a through it, not around it. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, this seems like a good a time as any for a shameless plug. If you'd like to hear more about Stacy's story, you can always go listen to Focused on Forward, another show that I host. And Stacy was a guest there, and we that's how Stacy and I met, actually, was mm-hmm. through Focused on Forward and had an opportunity to meet and talk about uh, this exact story. So, And she goes into much more detail uh, in it there. But it's a, it's a very powerful, very powerful story. And uh, I'm so glad to hear that they are actually that, that we are you know going to get a movie adaptation of yes. this. I'm I'm looking forward to it because you know it's not very often that I get to sit in a movie theater or you know or or even at my home and go, I know that person. Okay, so <laughs> if they're doing a movie based off of your life, mm-hmm. who do you want to have play you, or do you want to do it yourself? No, I am not. I'm <laughs> saying no. Um, well. <laughs> I can kind of tell you because there's, it's not like it, the script's being written right now and nothing is set in stone, but 
um, somebody who had reached out uh, and expressed interest over the last uh, maybe two years or so was Michelle Williams, uh, who was Heath Ledger's. She's Mm -hmm. a single widowed mom from him overdosing. by my part. So I don't know if that's going to work out, but just the fact that, I mean, I think that that would be wonderful because it's a role that she's played in real life and, you know, yeah. she knows what that great is. emotional tie in. Yes. yes but, you know, her heart, So she'd be able to, to show that emotion in it. Yes, absolutely. And if I want somebody to play me, like it would be important for me to make sure that they do it the right way. And if you've already, like, that's something that, you really do have to experience like not everybody's a widow and most people that you say widow or all that stuff, they're usually much, much older. They're not like I was 28 when I became a single widow mom, my kids were six and four and I was all by myself, you know? And, um, I, my, there was a lot of issues with the family. So I never got any of the insurance money or anything. Um, No. So, you know, I never, I never, I've started everything out from scratch and I did it all by myself and, and still took care of my boys and built up my businesses. And I just am one of these people that, I mean, I grew up on a farm, like you don't quit. It's not what you do. You don't give up. You just got to keep going, keep planting seeds and, and keep figuring out how to reap the best harvest. And, you know, so that's what we do. (laughs) My mother-in-law was 40 when she became a widow. Hmm. With a 15-year-old son? That, and I, like, the one thing I am, I don't want to say grateful for, but, like, I am a little bit happier, I guess, than the kids were younger, because if they had gotten to know their dad, you know, as, as, and it happened now, I think it would be way more impactful, because they were so young, like I said, six and four, so it wasn't, like, they still were very, very close with their dad, obviously, but it was easier, I think, uh, to help them as they got bigger, uh, and support them. And I always ask them and we always talk about stuff and I always make sure, yeah. you know, they know. And if it happened when they were older, there might be a deep, a deeper sense of loss perhaps. Yeah, that's exactly what I, I know that, Like with my husband, it went from the 15, he was, it was right before he turned 16. So yeah. that whole puberty becoming a man, suddenly everybody in your family says, well, you're the man of the house now. Yeah. At 15. And right. that's, that's a lot on your shoulders. It is. And his dad's death was very traumatic. And it's no, it's not something that you go through easily at all. Definitely not. And now so I give your mom a lot of credit too for, for dealing with that because I would never, I would never wish this on anybody. Even if you don't like your spouse or significant other, you never want to have to go through that. Lots Lots of therapy. Lots of, yeah. And then, but I don't know, it was just, you know, and my husband was in the Navy and stuff. So like the whole military honors, I mean, I was so proud of him and, but it still sucks because there's, that's an, that's a huge issue. I mean, there's a lot of people coming back from the military and and they don't have the resources at the VA to help a lot of people because I know we really tried, my husband went to a lot of doctors, you know, for his depression and for PTSD. I mean, he was on the aircraft carriers and saw people get cut in half because you know when the aircraft carrier land the that cord that catches the aircraft carrier or the aircraft uh snapped and stuff so i know he's seen some extremely traumatic things that were his very good friends that died and you know i know when he came back he also decided to not re like not re-up his thing because he saw so many people 
Um, their wives were cheating on them. Their kids didn't know them as a, as you know, a parent. And so right. he wanted to not have that. And, um, but when he got home, it was like, he was a, he was a jet mechanic on the aircraft carriers, but where are you going to find work for that? You know, in Pennsylvania. Uh, so he was really struggling hard to find a job because the military pays for everything. They pay for all your bills, they pay for it. And then when you have to start doing it all yourself, you don't really know how that works. And so right. I was trying to help him transition into that kind of life. Plus, you know, we had kids and we were trying to get married. It was just an awful lot at once, but we were trying very hard to get him a lot of help and it just, you know, it didn't happen. And I know that he just wanted some relief. And so it's not like he committed suicide or anything. It was an accidental one. Not cool, nevertheless. But, um, you know, it's just I know that there's so many people out there that are suffering and going through depression and just trying to find a little bit of relief. And like sometimes that's just one wrong move and it ends up taking you out. So got to start planting new seeds to try to make people think healthier uh, ways of, you know, going about doing things and inspiring people. It's about perspective. You know, you change the perspective, you change the reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So Stacy, we have enjoyed talking to you so much today. We, this has been amazing to get to, to know about you and know about your work. But where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about your work and what you've got coming within the lines of your own non-disclosure agreements? <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you guys all so much for having me on, too. I'll come back anytime. You guys are so much fun. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Stacey Toy, S-T-A-C-E-Y-T-O-Y. -E Don't forget the E or else you're getting like my cousins who aren't as fun and, and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my Facebook was hacked. So I'm working with Facebook actually to try and get it back because there's just so many like pictures and people and all that stuff that I was trying so hard to salvage if I could. But if not, people will be getting a new friend request for me. So um, Instagram, LinkedIn, and, you know, all the other press releases and stuff for right now. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Awesome. We are going to link all of those in our description so that our viewers and listeners can find you. Thank you guys so much. In, like we did. in a non-creepy way. Yay, so, uh, <laughs> all right, guys, want to just remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like the amazing Stacy Toy here, uh, so that we get to have great conversations for you guys to listen to. So please subscribe; it helps more than we can ever really tell you. And remember, kids, pop culture—it's all around you. It influences every single portion of our lives. So be sure to come back next week because we're going to have your fix waiting right here for you. Thanks again, Stacy. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, everybody. Have a good Bye. day. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.